from Golf.com, a game improvement editor. It's Luke Curdenine. Luke, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So what's going on in your world, Luke? Uh, you know, we spoke a year ago, and um, you know now you're the uh, the the golf the, the game improvement editor. Tell tell us a little bit about what that means as far as your role uh, at Golf.com. Yeah, so I mean, I've been a golf nerd my entire life, and it's basically a golf nerd in chief. Golf.com <laughs> is is my role effectively. I get to talk to teachers and I get, you know, coaches, trainers, and of course, tons of players and just try to figure out um, how they, you know, their craft essentially in their own words. I want to hear from them how they do it and how the rest of us can try to implement some of those things too. Um, it's really just so much fun. I get to talk to the very best and learn how they do it and try to glean some advice from that. And, you know, the really positive thing about that is that some of these guys you know they don't necessarily know how to describe what they're feeling and their anxieties and what a win could mean and yada yada but they all know how to describe certain things about golf because that's what they think about the most that's what they think about obsessively at times so um it, it often yields some pretty interesting stuff okay mark yeah well we had a uh a a wheelhouse conversation on Twitter not too long ago, just for you between uh, with that Phil Mickelson jumped into all about the, um, you know, the swinging in the opposite direction, trying to improve your speed of your current golf swing. So that was right in the nerd wheelhouse, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And for those unfamiliar, basically um, Peter Costas, who's, uh, you know, one of the well most well-known teachers around and Phil Mickelson, of course, they were getting into a back and forth about um, basically like decelerators in the golf swing or like stopping power. Mm -hmm. The idea being that you can only swing as fast as your body feels comfortable swinging, knowing it won't get injured. Phil Mickelson's big on this, like safe speed, making sure he doesn't injure his body. And so he really believes in swinging in the opposite direction as a way of training your muscles that, will help stop the golf club. They'll help control it. It will prevent it from getting injured. And uh, that sort of set off a bit of a debate because some people say, well, you're not necessarily wrong, but swinging in the opposite direction isn't necessarily the best way to do it. Um, and so there's, there's all sorts of, you know, there's a lot we don't know around this subject in golf generally, but it's an interesting idea and certainly one that I think uh, most golfers weren't thinking about as much until Phil Mickelson brought it to the forefront this week. Yeah, but Luke, uh, it, with all that said, I mean, it, it still has to help your flexibility. I mean, uh, I, I play, I've play. i played golf with a guy that, that his practice swings are, are left-handed, but he's a right-handed golfer, and he just pounds the ball. But not, I'm not sure that's why. I, I'm not sure he hits it a long way because of that. But from a flexibility standpoint, to me, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and it makes a lot of sense to me, too, in terms of, you know, some of the other things, like hand-eye coordination, just yeah. kind of general muscle kind of awareness, act, act, uh, activation, stuff like that. You know, like, I think if you're able to hit a golf ball left and right-handed at a good, uh, at a respectable level, for instance, like, I think you're probably just a good all-around athlete and practicing that helps you get to that point. Yeah. You know, so, and I think that that's, um, I think, like, all-around strength, all-around mobility, muscle awareness, hand-eye coordination, all that kind of stuff, 
um, is 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 uh, things that can be improved by swinging both lefty and righty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's just a very intuitive sense of logic there. Well, yeah, and you also have to understand too that that Phil is actually right-handed, so it's there. There's a little bit more of an ease of him being able to do things in both directions because. He's actually the opposite of what you think he is. He does everything with his right hand. So, you know, for him to push something through with his right hand isn't really out of the ordinary for him. Um, so there's a difference, you know, there. And, and, and I mean, I agree with some of it. Uh, I didn't agree with him saying that a, a race car goes faster with, with better brakes. A race car goes faster with, with a more power of the engine. I mean, that's well documented. <laughs> yeah. So for me, that was the only bad analogy that I think he made in the entire thing. But I, I understand, yeah. If you want to go a faster lap, you have to be able to slow down the car. Um, so it's not necessarily going faster altogether. But, yeah, I mean, this is where we are in society right now is uh, is that there is so much, you know, at our fingertips from a technology standpoint that we can we can analyze data. We can we can put things on video. We can, you know, super slow-mo things. And it really helps us, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it helps us kind of try to figure it all out, which is ultimately what we're trying to do, right? We're all, we're all just trying to get a little bit closer to understanding some of the techniques. Um, and we're also having like conversations that we just wouldn't have, um, a few years ago because we weren't even like broaching that mm-hmm. level of te- information and technology where we're able to, to sort of to measure it. So, um, and then somebody like Phil Mickelson's obviously benefiting from, this entire wave too. I mean, he he became the oldest major winner. He's swinging faster than he was, and you know, a few years ago. And um, so, I think it's a really positive stream for the game of golf generally. Yeah, I think in Phil's now, case, go ahead, Mark. I'm sorry. I was going to say now, if Phil could just find a fairway. He'd be money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bottom line is, where are you in that one and a half to two foot zone down there around the ball? I mean, that's what it really comes down to. Yeah, exactly. And I think with Phil Mickelson, I mean, I was at Kiowa, and the reason why he won that week, obviously power was incredibly important. That was like the one week this year where he's had really good control over his ball from tee to green, especially off the tee. He was getting a lot of these big cuts, you know, which were like essentially a fairway finder for him. And around Kiowa, that's what, you know, if you could keep the ball in play, get up and down, that's been the Phil Mickelson formula throughout the years, and that's what he rolled back the clock with that week at Kiowa. Um, ultimately, like, power is incredibly important, but it's only important if you keep it between the goalposts. And uh, that's something that's one, that's just one half of it. That's just one half of the problem that Phil is still kind of figuring out uh, in his uh, latter years. You know, Luke, the other thing, too, that, that we've got going on in the industry right now is we seem to have more smaller companies, whether it's on the golf ball side. Now we're starting to see it on the golf equipment, on the club side. We have more of these companies that are making a little bit more of a dent because we have all this technology and we have the ability to, uh, you know, to mass produce things. Um, is that is that what we're working towards, is that we might see some of these bigger companies uh, start having uh, a few dents put in their sales because we do have so many quality smaller companies uh, putting out quality products. Well, yeah, one one interesting um, trend here is like, look, the big companies are always going to be around and be super powerful. But one thing I think we are going to see and are seeing is that 
you know, you may remember back in, like, say, the 90s and the early 2000s, there were a lot more sort of through-the-bag equipment sponsorships on tour. You know, you were seeing guys who were just decked out. Basically, everybody had an equipment sponsor, no matter who you were, and there was almost like an exclusive, you know, 12, 13 club deal. Whereas nowadays, we see a lot more, um, you know, soft goods sponsorships um, for clothing. And then we have guys who don't necessarily have an equipment sponsor, guys like Brooks Kepka, for instance, who then kind of goes his own way, can choose what he plays, um, doesn't have a specific deal for any club. And that gives him the freedom to be able to choose whichever clubs just kind of fit him best, suit him best. I think that's one thing, that's probably a trend that we're going to see more and more. Sure, some of the biggest guys around will have through-the-bag equipment deals. But I think, a lot, uh, I think a lot of guys are going to emerge with these kind of brand agnostic, uh, you know, mix and match sets that, they, that, that, suit, that suit them. Um, because ultimately, they don't want to be too heavy-handed with their tools of the trade. They want to sort of go with what they're comfortable with, what they like, what fits them. And then, um, you know, that to them outweighs the benefits of, uh, of anything else. Yeah, I think in Brooks's case, uh, obviously winning four majors has helped him as far as his income, his income and, and, and his net worth is concerned. I, I think he's he has the luxury of not having to do a, a deal with a manufacturer. Um, but not everybody's that way, Luke. I mean, there's a lot there more than more than those kind of guys like Brooks are people who who need uh, that sponsorship money to to really get by. Oh yeah, and and to be clear, it, it, it's it's really about like whether uh, whether somebody would cash a check from an equipment company because they think that would be the best thing to do with their career, or if they think that by being able to play their own. Play, you know, pick their own tools. Essentially, mm-hmm. that will help them play better right. than with equipment that may not quite suit their eye, may not be paying that much because, say, they've just gotten on tour and they're not a big name yet. You know, so there's all trade-offs and stuff. But I think, like, the idea that we used to see all the time college guys, for instance, get on tour and then sign an equipment deal. Um, you know, and they're not the biggest names around, and then switch out all their clubs and then struggle initially. Whereas um, I think, like, I wouldn't be surprised to see that trend not play as big a role nowadays because of these smaller, uh, smaller companies where you can mix and match through the value a little bit more. Mark? Well, Luke, man, we appreciate you coming on with us. Uh, we always love talking to you. We'll have to get you on uh, here and there throughout the 2022 and uh, get your knowledge dropped to us. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you, Luke. Thanks a lot. That is Luke Curd to Neen, golf.com.